Okay, welcome uh, once again to another Throttle Up Radio show and podcast, and I am your host, Captain Kevin Smith, and I am glad to be here, and I'm with my great audio engineer, and this is another um, ongoing series. We're doing a series, uh, another series, I guess, we've done a bunch of them, another series called Tip of the Spear. Uh, and uh, that's um, appropriate for what's going on right now today in the world and in military thinking, if you will, and military preparation. And let me say a few things administratively up front uh, before I get into the the discuss- discussions this week. Uh, first thing I should say is that what uh, we are a radio show uh, and podcast so we are a radio show on Red State Talk Radio and we're a weekend show both uh, days Saturdays and Sundays on both channels on that great radio station also a podcast our podcast is available on all podcast platforms that we are aware of you can find it anywhere we happen to use CastBox right now but you can use anyone there's a bunch, and they're all good. Uh, and uh, our new book is The Sonic Warrior, Chronicles of a Top Gun Pioneer. Uh, that's out and about. Uh, find that anywhere, as a matter of fact. Also, it's available in audio book format. What else do I need to say? Is that about it? Yeah, okay. My audio engineer is shaking her head. Uh that's it. What is it? Oh, this. Oh, I should mention Substack, right? Yeah. So uh, we we do Substack uh, almost every week. We have a Substack uh, article posted on, uh, or an article posted on Substack. It's a better way of saying it. Uh, almost every week. So we do that as well, uh, and th- and that's kind of a good way to, uh, you know, to get a quick, um, a quick. Uh, you know, dose of uh, throttle up, if you will, a quick dose of what we're all about here and what we're doing. How does uh, how does all of this fit together? Uh, throttle up radio show and podcast is a uh, is a piece of the uh, giant picture, and so it's uh, it, that is a uh, you might say the throttle up is a sister uh, has a sister relationship or a uh, a uh, relationship to the overall big picture, which is the Sonic Warrior. That's the big picture right now. Uh, Throttle Up is one aspect of that. And there's other aspects. There actually is a film documentary uh, that we just finished up, and now we're going to start showing it across the country as well anyway so let's get into this show we're going to start off with my great audio engineer asking me the question for this week here she goes Uh, uh, hello kevin and hello to your listening audience okay the question uh that you would like your audience to to keep in mind, to help us uh, focus on today's uh, broadcast, it goes like this. In this Tip of the Spear series, you are presenting the idea that Tip of the Spear thinking is radically different than what is currently in use. Why are you doing this, and why is it helpful? Okay, uh, yes, great question. And uh, we began this, um, you know, this this way of uh, thinking uh, last week, and so we're kind of continuing along that same line, same train of thought uh, that we have uh, going right now. The tip of the spear. So let me... Let me go back and uh, just very briefly uh, uh, define what these terms mean and get get all on the same page. Right. First, first and foremost, uh, what is throttle up? Throttle up is all about 
improving our way to think, uh, critical thinking. Original idea was to throttle up your thinking uh, and it embrace critical thinking. So throttle up is all about critical thinking. All right. And so uh, what is going on with respect to the tip of the spear? Tip of the spear. Let's let's see if we can um, clarify exactly what that is. That that is a place. That is a place in in space and time uh, along the time space continuum. Is that is that a good term? Time space continuum. Yes, <laughs> audio engineer is not sure if that's anyway. So we're, we're going to go with that anyway. The time space continuum. Tip tip of the spear is a place uh, in time and space. What is that place? All right, that place happens to be uh, within a particular battle space. That's what it is. All right now. Keep this in mind. Metaphorically, you can use the same kind of approach and the same kind of thinking uh, if you're not in the military. Okay, uh, Just change the terms a little bit, but they are roughly or often very, very similar. Uh, in, in some cases, uh, amazingly so. In a civilian world, we can call it the problem space. In the military world, or in military jargon, or military speak, we call it the battle space. And the same kinds of things apply. All right, so the tip of the spear exists within the battle space. Or if you are out there, and let's say that you are working for SpaceX, and you are involved in testing the uh, the he heavy lift booster and uh, that that's not necessarily a mil military operation but it certainly is a problem space that you're dealing with how do we get this booster to uh, not only perform well but also recover it so it can be reused but that's a problem space all right so it's very similar all right so the tip of the spear exists within in the in the cases here, it exists within the battle space. And what is the battle space? The battle space happens to be airborne. It's the airborne battle space. Why is that? Well, because that's where my expertise lies. Okay, and so that is the battle space that we have chosen for this example. That's the battle space that I used to operate in, the airborne battle space. And so the tip of the spear exists within, and we're just going to say this, or just assume that it means the airborne battle space. Okay. So we talked about this uh, last week, and we and we have also talked about this previously. But the tip of the spear means that you're in an airborne battle space, and you're involved in great power conflict. Now that's another term that we need to make sure we understand what that means, right? We need to understand what that means, the great power. It's kind of a new thing. But I'm not the only one talking about it. It's being talked about across the board right, as we speak, right? Across, everybody's talking about it. Great power conflict. What exa exactly does that mean? Great power conflict means that we are preparing for battle at the high end of the conflict spectrum. I've talked about this often. The high end means that, that there is a great power competition, if you will. Great power conflict is possible. It is likely. And a great power means that two great powers are coming together. Now, if you have, and, and here's, the, here's the most important thing to keep in mind, and, and it's something that I'll be talking about at a conference next week in San Diego. If you have two adversaries that are uh, roughly or equally matched, okay, and you're operating at the high end of the conflict spectrum, then you have encountered uh, or 
the reality is that this is a great power conflict and you are in a great power competitive environment and you may go to war with another great power. How in the world do you win if you're equally matched in terms of weapon systems? And I'm going to I'm going to put something forward that is a little bit radical, but that's okay, that's the whole point of this show. How do you and, and let me let me say that if you are equally matched, the likely outcome is a stalemate, correct? Isn't that isn't that what you would think? I'm asking my audio engineer, isn't that what you would think? A stalemate, right? So, how do you go from a stalemate to checkmate if each power is equally matched? My position is, and I think history bears this out, my position is that you have to be able to outthink the enemy. That's how you're going to win. Okay? You have to be able to outthink the enemy. You also have to believe that you can win, even though it doesn't look like you would be able to on paper. But paper doesn't contain all the key aspects of reality. Paper doesn't contain motivation, does it? Paper doesn't contain uh, the intellectual side of things, like the will to win, motivation, commitment, focus on the mission, the uh, desire to protect uh, and defend the Constitution against all enemies, that kind of thing, right? Are you willing to put your life on the line to protect the Constitution? In my case, the answer is yes. In case of all of the colleagues of mine, the warriors that I worked with, the answer was Without question, yes, we all were, absolutely. That's why we're there. Okay, so the first order of business is to look at uh, what will it take to win. We have to outthink the enemy. We have to be able to come up with, with the ways in which we can employ innovation and creativity on the battlefield. What is battlefield innovation? Well, battlefield innovation, let, let me give you some places where you can go uh, to discover what exactly does that mean. I would say most of the work that was done by Colonel John Boyd relates to battlefield innovation or battle space innovation. Most of the work. That he has done. If you study, study World War II, and there's an enormous amount of material that has been produced. Uh, if you study World War II, or if you take a look at what Victor Davis Hanson has done in terms of the great generals, uh, you notice that battlefield or battle space innovation is the key to mission success. Okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna play a, a very short. What is this audio clip? What is it called? It's called "Develop the Will to Win Mindset Like a Fighter Pilot." Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and play this a short audio clip, and then we'll continue with our discussion. Here goes. Not too many places in life where winning is as important as it is to a fighter pilot in air combat. If you're in any Air Force, you understand the will to win. Because when you sign up, you understand that you might be sent to war. And that means you may lose your life. Winning means living. And it means that we continue to prosper in this great place where we all live. No element of any military ever trains to lose. And it doesn't matter if the military in question is on our side or the enemy. We're all training to win. The key to the fighter pilot's 98% mission success rate is training. Preparation 
planning and of course repetition. The more you do something, the better you get at it. For fighter pilots, it's all about setting yourself up for success every single time. And it's about having the right mindset to ensure that you don't become task saturated, you have good situational awareness, you can prioritize your tasks and execute the correct strategic decisions every single time. This is not a mindset that the average person has, but it is a mindset that can be learned. And the good news is you don't need to fly an F-18 or even be in the Air Force to learn it. What you need is a proven framework that will ensure you have a 98% mission success rate in every aspect of your life. Just imagine how quickly things will happen for you every time you're winning, every single time you set your mind to a new task. This applies to every aspect of your life, not just flying fighter aircraft. If you wanna learn the mindset of a fighter pilot, then join me at our next live event. Click the link below for more information and I look forward to meeting you at the next event. Okay, so uh, that's a good uh, beginning in terms of what we're trying to address in, uh, in this uh, place, this time and place. Let me, let me point out that uh, one of the things that we're faced with we go right back to the beginning. I like to go back to the beginning and look at things from a critical thinking standpoint, right? One of the things we're faced with is is the the um, the current era or our time uh, in uh, our current time. What what exactly is going on in terms of human consciousness now? Let me let me point out a few things, and and the and the and the answer here is it's it it's not a p- pretty picture. Uh, it's not something that you can be proud of. Uh, something is wrong with the way we think. Right, we don't think very well. Uh, we engage in faulty thinking, and I could give you a whole laundry list of 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 examples of that, but I think it's pretty obvious. I would say that as members of this modern industrial society, we have been encouraged, taught, and expected to think and reason in ways that are actually incorrect, inappropriate, and often dangerously wrong. The the first order of business here is for us to become aware of the way we think, okay? And construct uh, with respect to any kind of major uh, issue that we face. It could be survival, it could be winning, it could be, um, in my world, it, it, it's a, um, a battle engagement uh <clears throat> to create a truth table that addresses itself to thinking and reasoning, right? So we can do that, right? And this is not something that is, uh, that's foreign. This ought to be a fairly common thing that we all do. Creating a truth table, uh, this is, comes from the area of decision theory primarily. And so create a tr- truth table. The truth table consists of what should be done and what is, uh, currently being done. Uh, sometimes it's organized uh, in a uh, uh, matrix where the top is should and the left side is, is actual. Uh, we're using the term or the word actual to mean what we are currently doing. Okay, what are we actually doing versus what we should be doing. And that kind of um, questioning, uh, I would say, is quite healthy. We should be questioning not only ourselves, but uh, but what we hear out there uh, in the intellectual arena. What what is being put forward? What is the 
what is the messaging that is being put forward that we uh, that we encounter? Uh, you know, check it against the uh, the truth table, and check ourselves. So the first order of business is to uh, is to look at what should be done versus what actually is being done. Now, the other thing here, and, and this is why I'm coming to this problem from this particular perspective, which is the tip of the spear perspective. If, if we are, let's say, if we want to know how to think properly or how to improve our thinking and we just don't know what to do okay so we can pull up all kinds of advice books and of course there's thousands of them and maybe more uh you know everybody's willing to issue advice but let's say that we don't want to do that let's say that okay you know sure you know in in some of the stuff is good some of the stuff is not so good uh, I would say that some of the stuff that was put forward by Peter Drucker was particularly good. Uh, some of the other stuff that has come forward is not so good. But let's just say we, we were not going to go there, right? We're going to look at in in, uh, in different places. We are not going to go to the advice community. We are going to look in different places. We're going to look in places in which people actually have to perform uh, mission-critical activities that are dangerous, okay? So we go to the place where performance is critical, but also the environment in which performance is executed the environment is dangerous as well okay now there's a number of places we could go uh i happen to like and i happen to reside have uh, have uh, i'm not sure i've got the right words i happen to happen to live in this place it's called called the world of the fighter pilot okay so I was a fighter pilot operating at the tip of the spear. So, so I, I was there. I, I know what it's like. I know how, uh, how we were able to improve our thinking. Uh, and that was a big thing that we had to deal with. We had to improve the way we think. Okay. So, if we want to find out a better way, a, a let's say the optimum way to think, or at least a way that is significantly better than the way we're thinking right now, then let's visit a community that has proven itself to be able to think well under pressure. Okay? And that happens to be the community that 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 I'm representing now and the community that I used to work in and live in that operated at the tip of the spear. It's the fight world of the fighter pilot. So we also talked about uh, think like a fighter pilot and, and we're kind of like looping back to that particular area, but we're looking at it also from the perspective of the tip of the spear with respect to a great power competition a great power conflict okay now and i also pointed out and this is not well known which is if we are going to win in a great power conflict in other words there are two great powers and one happens to be ours the united states and the other one happens to be country x if you want to look at it that way and they're both great powers and they're both uh equally capable how are we ever going to win how are we ever going to go from a stalemate to a checkmate and the way we're going to be able to do that is we're going to be able to outthink the enemy 
Okay. And how do you do such a thing? Okay. Let me point out a few, uh, a few things going forward. And I've written some stuff down, so let me read this. Once we encounter the idea that our thinking is not what it should be, then we can construct a truth table and, and try to figure out what it should be, not what it currently, versus what it currently is. And how should we think? Now, there's some really interesting stuff that we can um, become aware of, uh, we can address ourselves to. In the book, The Matter with Things, by Ian McGilchrist. And let me, let me say that again, because this is a rather, um, uh, uh, not only important, what, what's the words I'm looking for? I'm looking for uh, uh, critical, okay? This is a critical uh, uh, book, a, a critical piece of, of material that we all should be aware of, okay? The book is called The Matter with Things. The author is uh, Ian McGilchrist, and he points out that things by themselves do not greatly matter. Okay, so the, thus the title. The title is a little bit rhetorical, but it's, it's essentially asking ourselves, what do you think about the matter with things? What is the matter? What is the matter? The matter with things. The matter with things is that things don't greatly matter in that they do not reveal all the necessary and key aspects of reality. Then what do they show us? Well, they don't show us enough, okay? We can, we can just put it that way. We can just say, okay, they don't show us enough. Uh, there is more to reality than what is there with respect to things. Now, often we look at the world in terms of things, Right? Things are often tangible. They're immediate. They're in our face. Okay, But that's not, not all there is to reality. We have something called the Internet. It's called the Internet of Things. It's mostly about things. Okay, Most about, about the tangible world. All right. Now, things do not relate by themselves to reality or what is actual, real, and true. All right, let me say that again. Things by themselves do not relate to reality or what is actual, real, and true. Okay, so if things do not reveal reality, then then, then, <laughs> then I could say two things are going on here. Number one is that Kevin has lost his mind or Kevin is right on the money and what we thought about things is, um, is uh, improper, inaccurate, often completely wrong. Reality is not a formless collection of discrete data points, which are things, surrounded by random events. That is not the way we are going to understand reality. I have talked about this before. And this quote comes from a uh, rather remarkable book, The Logic of Failure by Dietrich Dorner. So you may want to get that as well. That's a particularly important one. In, I'm, I'm reading my notes here. Importantly, reality is a coherent ordering of structural elements and cooperative agents in which purpose, potential, and utility are all in play. Okay. Purpose, potential, and utility are not actually things. They are concepts. Okay, where, where are we? We are up along the 
the the reasoning ladder we have gone from the literal to the conceptual i have often talked about this i think i think it really needs to be shouted from the highest rooftop let's stop talking about the literal let's look at the world let's look at our place in the world let's look at reality from a conceptual standpoint okay not a literal standpoint all right so that is something that i you know that you can say what what is the sum boil down to what kevin uh, wants us to do what what exactly is it in as few words as possible what does Kevin want you to do? Kevin wants you to uh, stop thinking literally all the time. Kevin wants you to look at things conceptually. I think that uh, in my position is that uh, that this is one of the great strengths that Jordan Peterson brings to the uh, public uh, arena is is his ability to not only his ability to conceptualize, but his ability to promote the idea of conceptualization. Okay, and this gets all the way back to what is human consciousness. I know this is a little bit esoteric, but it's important for us to consider uh, what what is it that that's going on? What is going on in my brain? What's going on in the brains of other humans? Uh, it's uh, we are exercising our uh, faculties with respect to human consciousness and we are looking at it from that perspective and human consciousness can consider such uh, could, can consider reality as consisting of things but not only things now that's what Ian McGilchrist has tried to point out in his book, The Matter with Things. Don't get hung up on things. That's not as important as the interactions that go on uh, between and among things. Okay. Let me reread what I wrote again here for emphasis. Reality is a coherent ordering of structural elements and cooperative agents in which purpose, potential, and utility are in play. We need to identify the optimum or correct thought trajectory. Okay, so if we are in, if we are engaged in a purposeful activity, if we are at the tip of the spear and we do have to solve a complex battle problem, how do we go about doing that? Is that just something that is done in some kind of a nebulous ad hoc way? No, it isn't. Okay, It is not. Uh, it is not done that way at all. It is done in a way that that has been proven uh, under pressure, has been proven uh, in in the world of combat okay if we can if we can do something in that extreme environment that is probably going to work uh in other places as well in terms of our ability to utilize our intellect our ability to think if we are going to be able to outthink the enemy uh then it, well, uh, let me put it this way: if we, if if that is the only way we are going to win, uh, then we better get going. We better get uh, get moving along on our ability to outthink the enemy. If that's the only way we're going to win, and if you look, you know, if you if you go back and look at the battles, you know, when we won battles, what did we do? We outthought the enemy. Okay, um, uh, uh, Colonel John Boyd and others that have uh, uh, Victor Davis Hanson have, have have talked about that, you know, uh, extensively uh, in terms of 
what is it about the great generals? What is it, is it about the great warriors that, that enable them to win? Um, uh, and there was a Trafal Battle of Trafalgar. Do you remember that? Uh, Trafalgar Square in, uh, in London. Uh, Admiral Nelson. Uh, he prevailed in the Battle of Trafalgar. How did he do that? Uh, when he was uh, in charge of an inferior uh, naval force, how did he uh, succeed in battle? Uh, there was, uh, what, he had 90 ships and the, the French-Spanish Armada had, uh, uh, I'm going to say 120 ships, 90 ships versus 120. How did he do it? Uh, he outthought the enemy. That's how he did it. Okay. Uh, when uh, when the Roman Empire defeated the Germanians, how did they do that? Uh, that was uh, in the, in the in the movie Gladiator. That was the opening scenes of the movie Gladiator, uh, where the Roman general, played by Russell Crowe. Uh, was talking to Caesar and and how he was able to defeat the Germanians uh, in this uh, uh, battle. And what were the numbers? Well, uh, what they had sixty thousand. And and if 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 my numbers are, or my knowledge of hit, <laughs> ancient history is wrong, uh, please let me know. But uh, it's my understanding that uh, the Roman Empire had 60,000 legionnaires and they defeated a force of 260,000 Germanians because they were able to outthink the enemy. Essentially, that's, that's how they did it. And the legions were amazing because they were a highly disciplined force and they were able to uh, employ certain key aspects of their capabilities against um, a random collection of uh, barbarians who are not uh, are not trained to effectively fight together so the German uh, the, uh, the 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 Romans learned how to fight together and they did that they were very well organized and they supported uh, one another their uh, their uh, uh, operation on the battlefield was was quite remarkable all right okay so we are at the tip of the spear and we are trying to um outthink and uh the enemy who is also uh equally equipped so we're at the high end of the conflict spectrum uh, this is a great power competitive environment or a great power conflict. If we are entering the battle space, it's a big great power conflict. And how are we going to deal with this? Uh, we're going to uh, take a look at the way we uh, organize ourselves and take a look at the way we think. Okay. Now... The most important thing here is to uh, is to consider that our ability to outthink the enemy. What what will it take? Okay, what will it take to be able to outthink the enemy? Okay. Now I'm going to throw some words out here, and and we we visited this area before, but it bears repeating. Uh, what is it going to take? It's going to take uh, I call it mental agility. We're going to have to be mentally agile. We're going to have to not be rigid in our understanding of uh, what could be done uh, within the, the 
the the context or within the confines of the battle space what what actually could be done and one of the things that i have uh i have proposed and one of the things that i have uh, actually done in preparing for battle uh at the tip of the spear is i have in i have entered the airborne battle space and I have done things that were unexpected and unpredictable. Okay. What you don't want here, if you are going up against a near-peer adversary that is, that is positioned at the high end of the conflict spectrum, along with your positioning, which is the same place, okay, uh, what you don't want to do is you do not want to be predictable. So if you enter the airborne battle space, if you do so, uh, do uh, be be uh, not only unpredictable but but be surprisingly so. And and the way the way you do that is is it's often the case that that you're not going to win the battle if it's a prolonged war, okay? It's often the case that you're not going to win the battle today, okay? That's often the case. You're just not going to do that. Um, in in the movie, in the, in the series, it's called The Masters of the Air. Uh, this is about the 100th bomb group in the 8th Air Force in World War II, um, uh, bombing occupied Germany, okay, or bombing occupied France and occupied Germany. In this particular case, I think they were bombing occupied Germany, uh, utilizing uh, the B-17s and the B-24s primarily, okay. Were we, were we able to enter that airborne battle space, uh, that that existed above occupied Germany, were we able to enter that uh, immediately and, and win? No, the answer is no. It took us quite a while to figure out what was going on within that battle space and to come up with effective solutions, if you will, to the problem or effective tactics and maneuvers, if you will, to the problem and so uh, and this is what we did and so we, we can look at this as an object lesson now was it perfect no it wasn't perfect but it actually did work uh, and it and it did work ultimately it worked extremely well all right so what exactly worked all right well the first order of business is that is that uh, uh, the the Allied powers, primarily the United States, uh, along working certainly along with Great Britain, we were able to come up with a uh, a uh, highly uh, effective weapon system called the P fifty one. All right, so but the P fifty one in and of itself was not was not going to win the uh, um, the battle in this particular airborne battle space. Why was that? Well, because uh, it, while it was, uh, in fact, faster, uh, it had a higher velocity than the, uh, than the German fighters, uh, the uh, BF-109 and others, uh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't actually that much faster, right? It wasn't man more maneuverable. Uh, in certain flight regimes, it was more maneuverable. In other flight regimes, it was not more maneuverable. All right. So agility was uh, was uh, not its great strength, but it was pretty agile. Okay. What what was going on? Well, we outthought the enemy. Is what was going on. We changed the tactics, right? We changed the bomber escort tactics dramatically, and that was done by a couple of thought leaders. It wasn't uh, uh, 
they happen to be uh, Jimmy Doodle and uh, uh, Tommy Hitchcock, uh, to name it, two of them, primarily those two. A couple of uh, leaders came up with better tactics, all right, tactics and maneuvers, all right. So that's what, and, and what was what was that all about? It wasn't, it didn't start by just flipping a switch. What it started f- from or what it emerged from was, in fact, the ability to outthink the enemy. The enemy was doing was doing something that they uh, they thought that they could do because it was predictably uh, appropriate. In other words, it was based upon what uh, based upon a prediction uh, formulated from past events. Okay, they expected the fighter escorts to stay on the wings of the bombers. That's what the enemy expected, right? Uh, Jimmy Doolittle and Tommy Hitchcock and others decided that they were that that was not the optimum uh, uh, tactics to employ, and so they said to the fighter uh, escorts, "Okay, don't stay on the wings of the bombers. Okay, don't do it. Right, go out ahead of the bombers." Uh, and this is probably going to be all revealed in the movie. Uh, I'm sorry, the the, uh, the 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 series called Masters of the Air. Uh, what's it on? Apple TV? Is that it? Is that where it is? Masters of the Air? Yeah. Uh, and this is all going to uh, uh, should all be revealed. And, and I'm kind of like uh, going over some ground that I've covered before, but that's okay. The tactics were changed. What changed the tactics? The thinking changed, right? The tactics didn't change first. The thinking changed first. What was the thinking? The thinking was the current thinking was flawed, and we had to rethink the way we're going to think, and we were able to do so simultaneously by outthinking the enemy, all right? So the enemy expected us to be in pl- in place A because we have always been there in this battle space and we weren't there, okay? Oh, big surprise. Yes, big surprise. We were not there. Where? We were not on the wings of the bombers. Surprising wasn't it? Yeah, they were surprised. Where were we? Didn't know. Okay, if we weren't on the wings of the of the bombers, the bomber is a big uh, piece of metal in the sky. It's very easy to see from long distances away. Okay, so the enemy launched from their airfields and they, they proceeded up to the bombers and there weren't any fighters around. Where were the fighters? The fighters were behind them. Really? Yes. They were not in front of them. The fighters were behind them. Okay, so here we have a flight or a group of German fighters descending on or encountering the bomber formation, and they begin their uh, run uh, their uh, gunnery run uh, with re- respect to the enemy bombers, and guess what? Their fighters, the 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 American fighters, which happened to be in this case P the P fifty ones, the American fighters were behind them. Now, if you get a P fifty one behind you. Okay, and you're not flying a P-51, but you're flying something else. It could be a Spitfire, it could be a Fokker. It doesn't matter. If you get the P-51 behind you, uh, you're pretty much over. The, the fight's pretty much over. Okay, the, it is possible, but highly unlikely uh, that you could win that engagement. It is almost certainly that that the fighter behind you, the P-51 behind you, is going to shoot you down, okay? 
That's just the way it is. That's the reality of, and here we're talking about, uh, we're talking about physics, if you will. We're talking about aerodynamics, or we're talking about fighter capabilities, if you will, all kinds of things, of yes. But did the thing win the battle? No. The thinking won the battle, not the thing. All right. Now, the thinking was able to uh, optimize the thing, okay? The thinking was able to optimize the P-51's performance capabilities. But uh, that's not what won uh, the battle or won the war. The, the P-51, no, the, 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 cha- the thinking won the uh, war in Europe. Absolutely. Uh, next next week we'll talk about the war in the Pacific uh, a, a little bit more and, and show you how the thinking won there. Did did I just get a two-minute warning from my audio engineer? I have one and a half minutes to go. Okay, so I need to wrap this up. Uh, I, I got... I got... Uh, what? I got long-winded? Is that, is that what happened this week? <laughs> I did... I tend to get long-winded, yes, and I've got another minute to go. And, and so let me wrap this up, all right? So uh, we have to outthink the enemy. If we are operating at the tip of the spear uh, at in a great power conflict at the high end of the conflict spectrum where both forces are equally matched, our way to achieve checkmate is to be able to outthink the enemy. So... We have to learn how to think better. We have to learn how to think in the most effective and optimum way. And I think we're getting to the very, very end of this show. Uh, how much How much time? 20 seconds. 20 seconds, my great audio engineer. I want to thank my audio engineer for helping uh, this week as well as all, uh, all of our shows. Uh, she does a great job. And also all of the pre post-production stuff. She's great at that as well. Thank you for listening. And we will see you all next week.